0: Good boys and girls, two footed podcast on New Year's Eve, December 31st. Brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network will allow you to go online, change your location, access things like American Netflix, BBC iPlayer, whatever it is you're geo blocked from. Liberty Shield will get you there and keep your data safe while doing so. Check out LibertyShield.com and use the code EPL599 to get your first month for one quid. No contract, no obligations, no commitments. One quid for the first month after a 48-hour free trial, I might add, and then carry on from there. LibertyShield.com, the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the code EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at the respective shops. Right, folks, it is New Year's Eve. I should be cheerful, but a couple of people have upset me. You remember yesterday, Keem upset me with his Bruno slander. Well, today, Garth Crooks has upset me. And my good friend, the self-promoting spoofer, Fabrizio Romano, he has upset me. Romano has upset me by lying about Romelu Lukaku. So Lukaku gave an interview to Sky Italia like three weeks ago. It got run yesterday. And it was done in Italian. And Romano has tweeted out uh, a bunch of sensationalist nonsense, letting on that Lukaku slandered the manager and was unhappy at Chelsea, you know, capitalising key words to try and make it seem like Lukaku was demanding out of Chelsea, saying he wanted to go back Inter Milan. If you watch the interview and actually read the transcripts of what was said, he said he was feeling good, he wasn't happy with not being in the Chelsea team, but he understood that Tuchel was playing a different system and that he would have to adapt and that he wasn't going to give up, he was going to work hard and be professional. There's absolutely nothing wrong with what he said there. He said that he would like to go back to Inter at some point in his career when he's still, you know, a top player. But for him that could be the age of 33, 34. You look at what Benzema and Lewandowski are doing now, there's no reason that Romelu Lukaku won't still be a top player at 32, 33. With his skill set, that power, that ferocious ability to just beat people with pure brute force, that's not going to wane. Lukaku is going to be a force for, for years to come. So all the Chelsea fans who got upset about this thing Tuchel has come out and said he's not happy. Now, I imagine he's not happy with the media bluster about it. That's all come from Romano. Now, I found out some interesting things about Romano yesterday from someone that worked with him. About just how dishonest a human being he is. About how years back, when Wes Schneider was at Inter Milan, Romano... Ran an interview with Schneider. On his own Facebook page. Loads of sensationalist little bits and pieces in it. The only problem is. The interview never took place. Inter Milan. And Wes Schneider. Publicly came out and said. It never happened. I've never spoken to this man. Romano never apologised. Never took it down. If you go back on his Facebook, you might still be able to find it. But that was how he first got noticed, was by making up interviews. There are other things and other interviews he's done where he's made up things that weren't said in them. And never apologized for it. Because this is what he does. Fabrizio Romano is a pathological liar. That's what he is. He's a spoofer. And anyone that buys into his BS, you're just aiding and abetting the biggest plague on football. Fabrizio Romano is the biggest plague on football. Gareth Crooks has upset me with his team of the year. So he's picked Ederson in goal. I'm not sure how you could pick him over Mendy, or over Emi Martinez. Garth's logic is he's got the most clean sheets. So again, he's not watching games, which we know he doesn't do week to week. He's gone for the most clean sheets and assumed that means he's been the best goalkeeper. He's picked three defenders. He's picked Trent as a centre-back. This kid is good enough to play for Real Madrid. Never mind Liverpool. Liverpool would wipe the floor with Real Madrid. Uh, Ruben Diaz. Without doubt, the best centre-half at Manchester City since Vincent Kompany. Not really. America Laporte before the knee injury was better. Um, Antonio Rudiger. The biggest mistake of Frank Lampard's short managerial career at Chelsea was refusing to play Rudiger. Not really. Not really at all. Because Lampard was playing a back four and Rudiger was horrendously bad in a back four. In midfield, he's gone for Rhys James at right wing back. Arguably the most improved Premier League footballer, he says. Nonsense. Uh, He went for Bernardo Silva at left wing back. He makes my team of the year, but he's also my man of the season so far. Like, you've got to be sniffing enormous amounts of glue to think that anybody other than Mo Salah is not part, it hasn't been the best player this season. Uh, He went for Declan Rice. I don't agree with it, but I don't have a problem with it. He went for Ilkay Gundogan. Brilliant last season. Not so much this season. And then up front. So he went on the left of his front three, Phil Foden. I don't have a major problem with that at all. I think Foden's sensational. He went for Michel Antonio as his nine. i am I'm not sure I can get on board with that one. I'm really not sure I can get on board with that one. But the biggest issue with this team, and it's really unfortunate because I love this kid. I think this kid is a sensational talent who's going to be an absolute superstar. He's picked Bakayo Saka over Mo Salah. He's picked Bakayo Saka over Mo Salah. I I really don't, I don't know what it is that goes on in Garth Crook's head. I don't understand how BBC are still paying this man money to, A, know nothing about football, B, not actually watch football, and C, produce this dreck week on week. Now, I get that one of the things he's trying to accomplish here is drive engagement and maybe i'm doing what he wants me to do but i don't care now i don't i don't normally swear on this podcast but sometimes swearing is warranted and this right here this is some straight up bullshit that's what this is to leave mo salah without doubt the best player in the premier league this season out of your team of the year. And Salah was brilliant the second half of last season as well, by the way. Absolutely brilliant. To leave him out. I mean. It's a disgrace. It's an absolute disgrace. Uh We've got ESPN. They've put up their mid-season awards. David Moyes, manager of the season so far. I think that's a fair cop. I think he was robbed of manager of the season last season, so no problem there. Mo Salah, player of the season so far, no problem there. Jose Sa, I mean, obviously a good signing thus far, but they did pay quite a bit of money for him. Whereas Emmanuel Dennis was like $3.5 million. Damari Gray was 1700000 million. They're the two signings of the season, and there's nobody else really close. When you look at the productivity versus the cost, they're the two signings of the season so far. On the topic of Emmanuel Dennis, he's not going to AFCON. Uh, Emmanuel Dennis and Victor Asimian out of the Nigeria squad. Watford are reportedly refused to release Dennis, who scored eight goals and gotten five assists this season. The Nigerian Football Federation said... Dennis had been excused because Watford were bearing fangs, which is a, a bit mental. O oh, has facial fractures which sound sore and he also tested positive for COVID. Massive, massive blows for Nigeria. Massive blows. Now Henry Onyekuru has been called up. He's a good player Uh Peter Olinke, I don't know much about him. He's a decent player. Leon Baligan and Abduli Shehu, they've also had to drop out. Uh Sami Ajaya, who's not very really good, he's been called up. Tyrone Abuhi of Venezia, he's been called up. It's a shame because their attack was was one of the things I was really excited to see in this AFCON tournament. Uh O'Simeon, I'm I'm just adoring every time I watch Napoli and he's playing. When he was at Lille, I loved him and really wanted him to come to the Premier League. Then the price on him just went ridiculous. I mean, Lille did a back-to-back summer selling Nicolas Pepe and him for way above their market value. Pepe hasn't lived up to that. Pepe's played like a good £35 million player, which is what he should have been. O'Simian is looking like a £70 million player now. Um... Jaden Sancho as the most disappointing signing so far, I really can't get on board with. Not when Jack Grealish exists. Sorry. 100 million for Jack Grealish, who makes Manchester City worse. Like, when Sancho's in the United team and playing well, United look better than they do without him. When Grealish is in the City team, even when he's playing well, they don't look better. They look better without him in the team. So Grealish is clearly the most disappointing signing of the season. The flop of the year so far. Um, on the topic of Manchester City players, actually, Jo Canseo was, uh, was basically mugged, him and his family. He put up on Instagram uh, with a nasty little cut above his eyebrow. Unfortunately, today I was assaulted by four cowards who hurt me and tried to hurt my family? When you show resistance, this is what happened. They managed to take all my jewellery and leave me with my, with my face with this state. he has got a, a bad black eye as well, bad black eye and a bad little cut above the eyebrow. Uh, I don't know how how I don't know how there are people with such meanness. The most important thing for me is my family, and luckily they are all okay. And after so many obstacles in my life, this is just one more that I will overcome. Firm and strong, like always. That is horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. But, look, the the key thing is he he's okay. He doesn't look to be actually injured, just hurt, which is, you know, a, an important distinction to make. Um, his family are okay, so that's obviously hugely important. I didn't know that when he was 18, his mother was killed in a car crash and he was, he was a passenger in the car. Did not know that. That's tough. Um, yeah, well, hopefully, you know, he has no lasting damage and the trauma doesn't live with him too long, but hopefully they find who did that. Cause you know, scumbags, absolute scumbags. um, Manchester United played last night. They played Burnley. They beat them 3-1 in the Premier League. Scott McTominay on eight minutes. Now, Cristiano Ronaldo got an assist for this goal, uh, but we should be really clear. That was a really bad first touch. Cristiano Ronaldo, notorious for the bad first touch. Just ask Las Vegas police. Um... Laying the ball in front of Scott McTominay, great strike for McTominay. Take nothing away from him, but once again, it's just an example of why assists are fairly nonsensical. Uh, ben Me own goal on twenty seven. Sancho does really well. Drives in from the left hand side. His shot is going wide. It hits Ben Me. It, it clips Ben Me's foot, and it diverts itself into the bottom corner. Uh, it is an own goal. And then Cristiano on 35. It's a great shot from McTominay from the edge of the box. Rebounds back off the post. Cristiano's seven yards from goal. Taps home and then does his big celebration. Uh, Aaron Lennon got one back for Burnley on 38 minutes. Lennon, who, I mean, at this point shouldn't really be a Premier League footballer, taking advantage of a mistake by Eric Bailly, driving at slabhead Maguire and finishing into the far corner. Uh, all three of United's goals with big dollops of luck, but, you know, such is, is the way things go. Sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. They haven't gotten it in recent games. They got it today, or yesterday, rather. Uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka brought us all the comedy with a beautiful pirouette pass to David De Gea that went out for a goal kick. No, a corner kick, I should say. Um... An interesting performance by United. I wouldn't say it was a good performance. There were spells that were good. But overall it was it was better than what we've seen of late. It was better than what we've seen of late. Uh for Burnley, it's a little bit worrisome. Now, I saw this yesterday. I'm gonna see if I can find it now. Someone produced a a league table of all 92 teams in the football league so all the premier league championship league one league two and basically you know points per game across all the divisions ben ben mayhew is the the chap's name so he apparently does this every year uh, at experimental 361. So Manchester City, the most points per game of any team in England, 2.5 points per game over 44 league games played in 2021. Chelsea, second, 1.98. Liverpool, third, 1.88. Arsenal, fourth, 1.85. Liverpool, a bit ahead of Arsenal considering the run Liverpool had last year is fairly impressive. Uh, Sunderland, fifth, same as Arsenal, 1.85. Sutton in League Two, 1.84. Uh, Manchester United, 1.83. Oxford in League One, 1.82. QPR, the highest-ranked championship team, 1.81. Um, we go all the way down the bottom. All the way down, all the way down. So Everton, way, way down on 1.23. Aston Villa, 1.22. Crystal Palace, 1.17. This is telling you how bad these teams were last year. Southampton, uh, 87th from 92, uh, 0.93 ahead of Oldham, Scunthorpe, and Bristol Rovers. And the bottom two. The bottom two in the entirety of English football. With a record of played 42, won 8, drawn 13, lost 21, scored 48 and conceded 80. Newcastle United, 0.88 points per game over an entire year. And only Burnley are below them. Played 39. Won seven, drew 13, lost 19, scored 39, conceded 59, uh, 0.87. Now, Burnley have the three games to play there. If if they played them, I reckon they'd be above Newcastle. I would say Newcastle have been the worst team um, over the past 12 months. If you look at goal difference, teams that have conceded more goals than them, Oldham, Bristol City, Doncaster, Accrington. Accrington conceded 90 goals across the course of the year, but scored 70. So that's at least kind of impressive. And that's it. They're the only teams to have conceded more goals than Newcastle United uh, in the past 12 months. And as for goal difference, Newcastle minus thirty-two. The only one worse than Newcastle at minus thirty-two, I think, is Doncaster. Yes, Doncaster. Minus forty-two. So Newcastle have been the fifth fourth or fifth worst defence defensive record in England over twelve months. The second worst goal differential. The second worst points per game, but Burnley do, did play three games less, so could potentially catch up. My God, not a good year to be a fan of the tune. Um, Not a good year at all. We're going to do the gossip quickly, and then we're going to bring in Mr. Drinkle, and we're going to run through the weekend's games nice and quick. Uh, Liverpool are interested in Bakayo Saka, whose contract expires in 2024. Uh, they might be interested in 2024 if his contract does expire, but uh, Arsenal aren't going to sell him. Liverpool have made an offer to Frank Kessy. Uh, I'd like that to be true. I have doubts. Barcelona want to sign America Laporte next summer. Yeah, maybe. If they find some more money, get another loan, maybe. The agent of Cristiano Ronaldo has dismissed reports that he wants to leave Manchester United. I don't know where he'd go next. Uh, Newcastle are closing in on Sven Botman. maybe. Don't think so. Uh, Magpies are also interested in Aaron Ramsey, which would just be a shocker of a signing, to be completely honest. Arsenal have identified Alexander Isak and Jonathan David as possible options options to bolster their front line. I mean, Isak, I think, would be £70 That's his buyout, I think. Jonathan David would make a lot of sense for Arsenal. They both make sense age-wise, but I think David fits better from a stylistic point of view. Um, Juventus forward, Paolo Dybala, Inter Milan's Dutch defender, Stefan de Vries, and Inter's 32-year-old Croatian forward, Ivan Perisic, could be tempted to join Tottenham in January. I mean, Dybala... See, it's not from Alistair go, Alistair so I'm not really going to put much faith into it. Um, De Vries would make sense. Put him in the centre of the back three. Romero on his right. Then you just need someone to play on the left of the back three. Dybala could play, obviously, in a front three with Kane and Son. And obviously, Spurs came quite close to signing Dybala a couple of years ago. Perisic doesn't really make any sense for them at all. The only position he can play in that system is left wing-back. And they've already got Reguilon and they've got Sessignon. They don't need Ivan Perisic. Chelsea are edging towards a deal for Ar- Arlen Chumeni, which who may be a cheaper option than West Ham's Declan Rice. Uh, so that's Matt Law on the Londoners Blue podcast. He would be a a great, great signing for Chelsea. A genuinely great signing. Newcastle have put together a monster contract for Usman Dembele. I said yesterday he allegedly turned down a ridiculous contract from Barca, or he, he turned in a contract from Barca and demanded a ridiculous one. It was probably because Newcastle had gotten involved. I would guess, I would guess this is going to be their foolish signing. They're going to spend foolishly on somebody. City did it on Rubinho. I think this is going to be their Rubinho. He'll be good in some games, garbage in others. And while him and St. Maximum will be fun together, they will be really frustrating. Newcastle are preparing an offer for Roma's 28-year-old midfielder, Jordan Vertois. He's a very good player. Now, he didn't do well at Villa when he was in the Premier League the last time, but he's done really well in Italy with Fiorentina and now Roma. Watford have inquired about a deal to sign Courtney House in January. It's from Football Insider, so I'd be tempted to dismiss it, but Watford could do with anything, any kind of help in defence. Leeds are interested in signing Giovanni Simeone in the summer. Would make sense. Would make sense. Leon have rejected Chelsea's attempts to recall Emerson Palmieri. I'm not sure they have the choice to do that. Barcelona have made Alvaro Morata their top target for January. He's owned by Atletico Madrid, currently on loan at Juventus, who don't really want him. Um, Barca have basically offered Memphis Depay to Juventus, so goes the story. I'll tell you one thing. Alvaro Morata must be the nicest guy in the world and have the best agent in the world. Because he is basically the Spanish Patrick Bamford. He's a good player with no real weaknesses, but no real standout skills. Like he's kind of good at everything, not great at anything. You know, he'll, he'll get you somewhere between 10 and 15 league goals a season. But he won't get you 25, 30 league goals a season. If he was 10% better everywhere, he'd be a great player. If he was 10% better at a couple of things, he'd be a very good player. But he's just a good player. But he's managed to play for Real Madrid, Juventus, Real Madrid again, Chelsea, Atletico Madrid, and now Juventus again. Madness. Absolute madness, the career he's had. He is the Spanish Patrick Bamford, but he's got better publicity. His career-high goals in a league season is 15 for Real Madrid in 16-17, when he was largely coming off the bench. And they were just marking teams. But otherwise, he's kind of 8, 7, 11, 11, 12, 11. He's got five so far this season. He's only hit twenty in all competitions twice in his career. That one year at um, at Real, and then last year because he had a good run in the Champions uh, Champions League last year. But it is amazing that he constantly gets moves to these kind of clubs. Like I said, he's not a bad player at all. He is a good player, but he shouldn't be playing for these type of clubs. Um, Matthias DeLict is. Javi's top transfer target for the summer um, Whatever, I mean he uh, Juventus, if they can get what they want from Will probably be happy enough to see him move on Because it's not like he's set Serie A alight um, La Liga might suit him a bit better It's a bit, bit of a looser set uh, Blackburn Rovers manager Tony Mowbray says The club are not looking to sell Ben Brereton. They might not be looking to sell him, but they might not have a choice if the offers come in. Like He's been banging in the goals this season. Now, he's out of contract in the summer, but uh, the club do have an option to extend it for a year. So, if he's not going to sign a new contract, you have to sell him. It's that simple. You have to sell him. And I know it'll be tough to lose him and Armstrong in such quick succession. And he's really been the biggest beneficiary of Armstrong leaving because he's taken on that centre-forward role, been given the responsibility. And, you know, 20 goals in 24 league games speaks for itself. Um, but, I mean, if you can get 20 million for him, you've got the better part of 20 million for Armstrong. I'd be curious to see who'd come in for Diaz. I I wonder if I wonder if Brighton will go that route. They do need a striker, but I we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Um, so that's all the gossip for today. We'll take our break. When we come back, young Drinkle is here. He's got food poisoning, so we're not going to keep him too long. We'll run through the games for this weekend. And get finished for the new year. See you in a few minutes. Right, welcome back. So we have eight Premier League games this weekend. Two have been called off, but eight to get through. So Mr. Drinkle, how are you, sir?
1: Ill. There we go. There
0: you
1: go. <laughs> I'm alright other than that. But uh, how are you?
0: Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Good. Um, right, we should rattle through these. We've got eight games.
1: What's the second game that's taken off? Oh, the Southampton one. Southampton,
0: Southampton
1: Newcastle and then Newcastle. Leicester and Norwich, isn't it?
0: Uh, yes, yes, yes. Leicester Norwich to Hampton Newcastle are the two games that are off. So, I mean, it's ideal for Leicester. I know it's, it was at Norwich's request, but it works well for Leicester as well. It'll, it'll give them the break to get some players back. Mm-hmm. Um, Newcastle definitely needed, definitely needed that game called off because they've got so many injuries. And there'll be an um,
1: twelve players tomorrow.
0: Well that's exactly it. They're <laughs> they're signing the whole world tomorrow, so Was it the
1: second at start? I think it's the second, isn't it?
0: Oh, I think it is, yeah, is it? Uh, I think it it doesn't is the matter. it's
1: a matter before the yeah. next game, so
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. They'll they'll have everybody in the whole world will be signed by January third, so it'll be fine.
1: So we'll get on to the first game then, and, and Dave, we know how you feel about Arsenal as soon as they come up against a good team. They tend to just kind of shrink um, a Man City have been a force what, I think it's 10 games in a row they've won now, it might be 11 mm. um, a- anything different here?
0: No I don't think so um, I mean Arsenal have some some issues at the minute, Tommy Asu is out, he's injured and he's got Covid Cedric Soares who'd be his backup also has Covid so I'll be curious to see who they play right back because Maitland-Niles is meant to be on his way out of the club so I, you know, Ben White will probably have to play there again, and he's not particularly good in that position. Uh, Kolasinic is out. Aubameyang is obviously suspended, or whatever the hell is going on. And Callum Chambers also has COVID. Uh, for City, Kyle Walker is a doubt. John Stones is a doubt, and Rodri has COVID. Liam Delap is injured, and the other fella is suspended, probably forever. Um. I can't see City not winning this game. I think when you look at how they've been the last 10 games, it's becoming very easy for them to just grind out results, even if they're not playing well. If they play well, I think they'll carve this Arsenal team apart. It all depends on who Pep picks. If he picks Grealish, I think it's going to be a bit of a grind for them. Because I think Grealish makes them a bit more predictable. Whereas if he leaves Grealish out and goes with, say, Marez Sterling, Foden or Bernardo, Sterling, Foden with Gundogan and De Bruyne either side of, I assume it'll be Fernandinho. Then I think they'll have real joy against his Arsenal team. Uh, Arteta has COVID. I think this is the second year in a row he's gotten covid when City have been coming to town, which is just really bad luck, or a ploy. So my theory here is right. This game's in London. Pep's probably brought the wife and kids down so they can, you know, go shopping in London over the weekend. So his house is empty. So I reckon Arteta is, as we speak, on his way to Manchester to break into Pep's house and try and find some notebooks so he can steal more tactical insight from his mentor. Um, I'm going to say a City win here. I'll say 3-1.
1: Yeah, I'd say something similar. Uh, Moving on then, Watford against Spurs. Um, Spurs had who did draw with the other Southampton, Southampton. that was it. it. Um, And Watford took the lead against West Ham, didn't they, and then ended up getting spanked. Um, There just has to be a Spurs win, really.
0: Has to be. Has to be. Um, So no Bergvine, no Romero, no La Celso and no Sessignon for Spurs. Romero's the only one that would definitely be a starter from that. Whereas with Watford, no Atibo, no Sar, no Cabacelli, That's not a loss. Tom Cleverley is back. don't know if that's a help or a hindrance. Uh, ben Foster is out, Quadro ba is out, Nicholas and is out, Danny Rose is out. That's a good thing. Kiko Femenia is out. So you'd assume and Gaikia will start uh, right back. Um, I can't see anything other than a Spurs win here. Watford have been dreadful under Claudio. They've won two and lost eight. They do. They, they don't look like a team that can keep a clean sheet. They've only really got Emmanuel Dennis offering them something up front at the moment. I'm going to go heavy on a Spurs win here. I'm going to say Spurs four-one, same Oof. as the as the West Ham game four-one to Spurs.
1: Yeah, you'd certainly have to favour Spurs. I mean, Watford's defence just doesn't exist. Uh, moving on to the late kickoff, we have Crystal Palace against West Ham now. Palace. Obviously miss it. Is Zaha still suspended or is he back? Uh,
0: Wilf should be back. back.
1: Yeah, so he's back. But they are missing a lot.
0: Yeah, they are. So they've got Ezzy Alise, Klein and Gallagher I think are all out with COVID. Anderson's injured again which is an absolutely huge blow. And McArthur's still out. So I was really looking forward to this game. I still am. I still think it will be a good game. I think it's a London derby that's now relevant again. But that's a lot of players for them to be missing. But West Ham, not without their own problems, obviously. Zuma out, Ogbonna out, Fornals out, and Cresswell out. So that's four starters that they're missing. Whereas with Palace, you'd look at the players they have missing and Anderson would be a starter, MacArthur would be a starter, Gallagher would be a starter, and Eze. So they've they got four stars there, but one of them hasn't played all season, really, in every Eze. So I think they'll be closer to what their team has been this season than, than West Ham will. West Ham do have better depth, obviously, and should come into this game confident. But I'm going to say this one ends in a draw. I'm going to go 1-1. I think it will be a cracker of a game. It's a shame Conor Gallagher's not playing because I really wanted to see him against Rice. But I'll go 1-1 in a good game. Potentially a 2-2, but I'll stick with 1-1. I think it'll be a good game.
1: Yeah, that is on TV for UK people. That's on Sky. Um, Moving on to Sunday, we have starting off Brentford against Aston Villa. This one's on Sky as well. Um, Yeah, I mean... Should be an interesting one because they both play decentish football, but I don't know. Villa seem to be trying to find the right system up front. Danny Ings and Watkins doesn't seem to be working together, and Brentford obviously. Embuemo uh, was missing for a while, and obviously he hasn't been the most prolific. But him and Tony mm. certainly the first choice. Um, but yeah, maybe a lack of goals, but Villa seems to be more clicking together rather than quality to me.
0: Yeah, um Villa have you know a couple of I- issues injury wise. is gonna be out for a while. Um Ashley Young is expected to miss this one. He's got a fractured toe. Um and Leon Bailey is out for a little while. Uh they do get the boost though of Tyron Ming's been suspended, so that's a that's a positive. But Brentford are just ravaged with injuries at the minute. Um Rico Henry is out for another couple of weeks Dominic Thompson who's filling in for Henry at left back or left wing back, they're hoping he'll be fit but he is a doubt Christopher Ayer, he's not back yet but they're hopeful he, he could be back in the coming weeks And Bomo they hope to have back Um, if he could score a goal it would be great Christian Norgaard is back after suspension so that's huge David Rea is out Zanka is out Charlie Good is out. Not really a blow, but numbers-wise, it is hurting them a bit. Janult is out with COVID. That's a big blow. Uh, Yenvir is out, and De Silva has been out all season. So they're bare bones at the minute. Now, they played with bare bones against City, and to their credit, they worked really hard and gave City a good game. But I think this is going to be a tough one. Now, it is at home, so they'll have that great home crowd behind them. And for that reason alone, I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them the draw here. I'm going to say this one ends in a two-two. I think this will be a fun game. I really want to see Ivan Tony doing well, and obviously the guy he replaced, Zali Watkins, who'll be at the other end. So be an interesting battle between those two, see which of them can can have the better performance. Uh, I'll go two-two.
1: Yeah, I think that should be a good game. Moving on then to Everton against Brighton. Everton have had a few games off with uh, COVID, haven't they? So that's probably mm. done done world of good for them. Although there's still a bit of COVID and injuries in the squad, obviously. But Dominic Calvert-Lewin, according to Premier Injuries, is 75% chance of playing, which is the closest he's been. Um, and him returning I, it just equals an actual threat in the team.
0: Yes, exactly. An actual real goal threat for, for Everton. Now, unfortunately, him coming back has coincided with Richarlison being out with a a slight injury. So that's a blow. Uh, Luca Dina, Damari Gray, and Fabian Delf are all expected to recover from what I assume was COVID. Uh, like you said, Calvert-Lewin's expected to play. They they expected him to play if they were playing on Boxing Day yeah. That game got called off. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully he is back because he's so important to Everton. Uh Yerry Mina is out, Andros Townsend is out, Solomon Rondón is a doubt. So still a lot of issues for Everton. They're not not a team that, you know, is anywhere close to full strength, but with a bit of luck they'll start to get players back bit by bit and they can start to show people what they're actually capable of. Um Lewis Dunk is out for another couple of weeks. Sarmiento, Lacadia, and the big one is Trasard. Trezard is expected to be out for this game, and that's a huge blow because obviously he's been really, really good this season. Um,
1: yeah, they did win without him. They and, did. They a did good draw against draw yeah, against Chelsea. Against
0: Chelsea, yeah, really good draw against Chelsea. Obviously, this is their this is a you know at Goodison, so it's a a trip up for Brighton. It's a hard one. Brighton have won one game in three months, but Everton are not very good either, mm. missing a bunch of players.
1: Can Miklavenko
0: play? No, no. I don't. oh well. Actually, is that has that been announced?
1: I don't think it's formally announced, but
0: if it's announced, no, it would have to be announced by noon today,
1: right? Okay, so not and probably. it can't be obviously
0: yeah. because doesn't open. The window's not open, yeah, so no, he can't yeah, yeah. play. So that's a blow. As well as that, you're looking at the likes of Michael Keane having to chase around after Which is never nippy forwards. That won't be good. Um But Calvert lewin I think, will cause Brighton problems. I mean I really think he will.
1: Veltman and is it Byrne who's been playing? The, the Veltman,
0: Byrne, and I think Cucurella played as part of the back three against Chelsea. Ooh. He's five eight. I'm going to give Everton a chance at a point here. I'll say 1-1. Everton did beat them down at Brighton earlier in the season.
1: Yeah, wasn't that one of their first losses?
0: Mm, I think it was Brighton's first loss of the year. Yeah, it was. And mm. um, I'm going to go for an Everton win. A 2-1 Everton win. Calvert-Lewin with both goals. I think he'll cause them serious problems.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely, he to be... find a way
0: to get the ball in the right. box.
1: Because he was he was playing excellent when he mm. started. Yeah,
0: he, he was brilliant at the start of the year. Mm.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see him see him back. Um, also, next game, very important one at the bottom of the table, Leeds against Burnley. Um, Leeds obviously had their Boxing Day game with Liverpool off, and you'd have to say, I, well, I'd say that. But Liverpool, we expected to beat Leicester, and that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, maybe avoided a uh, drubbing but I can't say that now um but it's a good op- well, it's a good opportunity for both but I mean Leeds it's just been uh, three losses in a row and I mean two heavy defeats in the row um whereas, well Burnley's not much better I mean I didn't watch all of the United game but considering the form United were in and, and the performances to get comfortably beaten it's it's yeah. not the the best looking also. Now they should have been one
0: up before United even got going. Yeah, okay. Um Chris Wood missed a great chance. Now, in fairness, Cristiano missed a great chance a couple of minutes later. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a good performance by Burnley at all. They're without a number of players. Max Cornett, he's he's got a thigh issue. He's also due to go to the AFCON.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Nick Pope has COVID, Jay Rodriguez has COVID, Josh Brownhill has COVID. Conor Roberts is still out, Ashley Barnes is still out, and Kevin Long is out with COVID as well. So, for a team with a very small squad, uh, that's a major issue. Now, Leeds, obviously, I mean, you talk about decimated. Liam Cooper out, Calvin Phillips out, Shackleton out, Bamford's a doubt. They're hopeful that Dan James, Lorienti, and Harrison will be back. Uh, Rodrigo is out, Pascal Struik is out, and Charlie Cresswell is out. So, it's not. It's not great. It's not great. These are two bad teams. Would you? It's I mean, a, a lovely isn't... contrast between the managers, though.
1: It is. It is. I mean, except maybe Newcastle. Maybe it's a bit, bit too late to save Norwich now. Would you, would these be the two teams that need the most investment? You'd say. I mean, Watford obviously need defenders, but Burnley. You mentioned Cornet is going away for a month, and he's the yeah. only bloke who can score, and and Leeds. Well, their defensive issues are well-known, but also Phillips is out for months, and if he's their only midfielder, really.
0: And Bamford's the only goal scorer, and yeah. he's missed half the season. Exactly. Yeah, both of these teams could do with investment. Uh, Burnley, a right-back, another one at centre-back just for depth. Um, They could do with another another body in midfield because Dale Stevens isn't a Premier League footballer. Mm-hmm. They could do with another quality wide player. They could do with another forward just for... For depth and rotation, so they do need quite a bit. Leeds mm. definitely some depth up front. Uh, they could do with one in central midfield, a starter quality player who's you know can go box to box or be the sitter if Phillips isn't there. They need a centre back who can regularly start, someone that's not broken, and they need a right back. So yeah, both both teams need heavy investment. They're fortunate that Newcastle and Watford have just been so tragic this season. And that's what may save both of these teams this year. I'm going to go for the draw here. I will point out Sean Dyche talked some nonsense the other day. And I do love Sean Dyche. I think he's a very good manager, very underrated. But he said that him and his staff were doing some research. And did you know Frank Lampard was playing 60 odd games year on year on year on year? Frank Lampard never played 60 odd games year on year on year on year because Frank Lampard only. Because he said. He was playing 60 odd games plus internationals on top of it. Frank Lampard only played over 60 games for Chelsea once. Uh, so that was Bobbins from Young Dyche, who, you know, is just he's an old school manager who doesn't want to modernise himself. It's as simple as that. Uh, I'm going to go for the draw here, though. I think both teams are fairly awful. I don't expect this to be an entertaining game of football. Leeds can win this game if Rafinha is at his best, but you know neither team are great going forward. Both are riddled, riddled with injuries and and issues. Leeds not good defensively. Burnley decent defensively. Burnley are harder to beat, but Leeds obviously are at home and have the best players. So that's why I'll go with the draw. I'll go one one.
1: Yeah, I can certainly see that. Uh, moving on then to probably the... Eh, yeah, well, maybe apart from the Leeds actual burden again, but Chelsea v Liverpool. I, what do you call this, the title challenge eliminator?
0: I think so. I think so. I think City will be sitting at home watching this, hoping for the draw. Mm. Um, Liverpool have known Nat Phillips. He wouldn't start anyway. He wouldn't be an issue. But Andy Robertson suspended... Thiago has been ruled out by Jurgen Klopp today. Taki Minamino has been ruled out by Jurgen Klopp today. Harvey Elliott is out. Adrian is out. Not that he'd play anyway. And Divock Origi um, is still out, but he hasn't been ruled out yet, so there's a chance he might make the bench. Chelsea, allegedly in crisis, but... You know, Rhys James is out, Thiago Silva's out, Ben Chilwell is out. They have doubts over Loftus-Cheek, Werner and Christiansen. So we'll wait and see how fit or how healthy these players are.
1: Liverpool also have three unknown COVID unknown
0: cases. Unknown COVID cases who they haven't named yet. And he said first so team. If...
1: And he said you'd, you'd, you'll know as soon as you see the team sheet. So you'd expect big hitters.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Virgil's had it. Fabinho's had it. I think Allison's Thiago's not
1: been spotted in training, so that could be one.
0: That's that would just be horrendous. Mm-hmm. So that be yeah, that wouldn't be good at all. Um, yeah, it's it's not going to be good. I I'm just going to go for the draw here, to be honest, because I think Chelsea might have a couple of COVID cases as well, because uh, Tuchel has been quite vocal about. Did
1: you say getting called uh, off?
0: possible it is possible liverpool obviously aren't requesting for it to be called off but it is possible that the game gets called off um we'll wait and see we'll wait and see i'll go for the draw like if, if city beat arsenal they go to 53 points chelsea liverpool draw they'll be 10 points clear of chelsea And 11 points clear of Liverpool. With Liverpool having a game in hand. So, you know, you could say eight points, considering that game is home to Leeds. But eight points. That's an awful lot to try and hold back against the City team over Mm -hmm. 17 games. Like, it's very hard to see City losing three games and Liverpool would have to be perfect. Like, that's the thing you can say oh it's only three, if city lose three games yeah if city lose three games that's fine but liverpool would have to win 17 straight games then mm. and they don't look like a team that can do that um i'll go for the draw i'll go for the draw i'll say i'll say 1-1 but i'm not enough, not at all confident in that in that i i, I think chelsea could win this game at home Ugh.
1: Leicester game already broke I me. Mean, I don't need to see that. Mm. Uh, moving on. Boring game. Man United against Wolves. Um,
0: this is bizarre. 5.30 on a Monday. Yeah. That's a bizarre time for kickoff. United obviously come into the game. They're in good form in terms of results. Um, no Martial, no Pogba. Bruno's back. And they're hoping that Lindelof will be back soon, but he does have COVID. Um so, I mean, none of them are starters. Bruno's back, so he's the starter. Martial, Pogba, and Lindelof, I don't think would start under under Ranić. Um Wolves have a few problems. Mesquera's still out. Um, he's hoped, they're hoping he'll be back in February. Johnny Otto's still out. Huang, he's not back till February. Nuri is out for another week or so uh Fabio Silva is ex- they're hopeful that he might be cleared to play um Pedro Neto's out and Willy is out, and Woody bolly is out Woody bolly's also uh had to pull out of the Afcon, which is a shame for him um wolves are really hard to beat they're very hard to break down. They've done really well against Liverpool, City and Chelsea in recent weeks. I think Wolves can go to Old Trafford and win. I don't trust this United team at all. I think Wolves will go to Old Trafford and win. I'm going to say it's a 2-1 Wolves win.
1: Especially the way United beat Wolves in the game earlier in the season.
0: Exactly. exactly. Wolves battered them on the day absolutely battered them and I think Ranić's system plays into the hands of Bruno Lage. so I'm going to go for a 2-1 Wolves win and, and that's it yeah that is our eight games then we are done and dusted for the day we're done and dusted for the year 2021 thank you to everybody who has listened and shared this podcast over the last 12 months it is greatly appreciated it feels like a bit of an achievement. To have done an entire year of this, a calendar year. Obviously, we did our, we had our one year birthday a few months ago. But a, a, a first calendar year completed. Um,
1: I think this is the three hundred fiftieth episode as well, Dave.
0: I believe it is the three hundred fiftieth episode. Let me just confirm that, but I think you are correct, Mister Drinkle. Uh, da, 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 da. Let's see. Yes. Yeah, this is episode 350 of this podcast, which I I think is a fairly good effort. Considering most days it's just me on my own and then I have you on a Friday. We had some guests, obviously, along the way. We've had Ryan Baldy, we had Lee Scott, we've had a few others on, and it's been fun. And here's to, you know, whatever happens in the future but we'll do this as long as we can and uh, hopefully people will still listen and still enjoy it and you know we're, we're doing our best is all I can say we are doing our best and hopefully you are enjoying it uh, I will see you all on Monday there won't be a podcast on Tuesday I'm gonna say that now I'm getting my booster my other half is getting hers and it's in a different place and we it's just going to take up too much time. So there won't be a podcast on Tuesday, but it will be here Monday. There will be a Monday podcast, but just no Tuesday podcast. Okay. radio. See you then. Take care of yourselves. Enjoy the weekend and Happy New Year to everybody. Happy New Year to you, Mr. Drinkle. You too. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.